Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Three Secrets Behind Hamas War and Anti-Semitism. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol Lieberman, your terrorist therapist. Well, uh, there's unfortunately a lot going on to talk about in regard to terrorism. Um, And even though some people are thinking it's just over there, Israel, the Middle East, Nope, (laughs) it's here too, and it's already here. Um, There are three secrets, nobody's talking about this really, uh, behind the Hamas-Israel war, the Hamas attack on Israel, and the resultant anti-Semitism in America. The first um, secret isn't really that much of a secret, except that nobody is acknowledging it here, certainly not in the um, mainstream media, and that is, but if you've been listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show, you know about this already. You've been knowing about this for years, and that is the age-old intentions of radical Islam, (laughs) and that is, um, of course, global jihad. Just recently, uh, a man named Mossab Hassan Yosef He is the son of the founder of Hamas. He came out and did some interviews. And he talked about how uh, he wanted to warn people. You know, he really hasn't come out like that before, but he wanted to warn people um, that the intention of Hamas and other radical Islamists um, is global jihad, not just Israel and not just the Jews. When they attack, he's saying this, when they attack, uh, terrorists won't stop to ask, or actually I'm saying this part, I'm gonna read you his his words, but what I'm saying is when, and and it's essentially, you know, what he says and what I've been saying for for years. And that is that terrorists, when um, when they attack, whether it's, you know, in Israel, when they attacked Israel, they're figuring, uh, that most of the people are Jews, or in any case, it's Israel, and they're trying to destroy Israel, so they don't ask. But if in America, even, when they come here, they're not going to ask if you're a Jew or a, a Christian, a Republican or a Democrat, uh, straight or gay, whether you supported them in your protests or not. They simply want to kill you because you're an infidel or an unbeliever in radical Islam. And to make those people who survive, you know, who they don't kill at first, 
Um, the plan for them is to follow, to make everybody follow Sharia law. Now, I hope you know, hope you remember, <laughs> I've said it a gazillion times in my podcast over all these years. Um, so let me tell you now some more details, like actually what he said. Um, first of all, he is, um, he worked undercover for Israel as a spy for 10 years um, from 1997 through 2007, because he gave up, you know, he saw what Hamas was like from the very beginning, because he was born to the founder of Hamas, and he rejected it. And so that's why he went and worked as an Israeli spy for 10 years. Um, he, he is warning that uh, Hamas will not stop at Palestine, and or at Israel, really, and wants global rule. So he um, he is referred to as the Green Prince, and he um, well, let me tell you exactly what he told some media outlets just this past week. Um, let's see. This is what he said. He said uh, Hamas is a religious movement. This is what everybody is afraid to say. If Hamas was a political movement we could satisfy their political ambition. But Hamas is a religious movement that does not believe in political borders. They want to establish an Islamic state on the rubble of the state of Israel. So, you know, that is what makes, that is what has made them be able to do these brutal animalistic attacks, putting babies in ovens in, when they attacked Israel on October 7th, putting babies in ovens, and um, killing people, you know, uh, having sex with people on top of the dead people, um, killing people in, in and torturing them, all of the horrible things that they did when they attacked in Israel on October 7th. Um, they're able to do it. People wanted to know how can they be this brutal, you know, because they're doing it for their God, for Allah. And that makes them feel like anything that they want to do is okay because they think that this is what Allah would want. So again, to continue what the son of, um, of the founder of Hamas uh, has been telling, has been saying recently, the warning, he said, they want to annihilate the Jewish people and the Jewish state. They want to kill everybody who supports Israel, then establish an Islamic state. But this is not the end because their ambition is global. They want to eventually establish an Islamic state, a global Islamic state. And this is what he told CNN. Um, he also said the group, um, oh yeah. He also said that the group initiates war with the Israelis every few years when they need money. Quote, this war, Israel did not start. Hamas started this war. Hamas, blood, blood for money, they start a war every few years when they want money. They shed children's blood, and this has to stop. This has to stop. It has to come to an end. Unfortunately, the price is going to be steep. I feel very sorry for Israel that they have to go into Gaza, where there are booby traps all over the place. I don't know how many Israeli soldiers have to die in order to destroy Hamas. Then he also, Yusuf, also appeared on Fox News. And he said, I mean, I must give CNN credit, actually, for having him on, um, because that's not the typical thing that CNN would do to have somebody say that, in fact, um, Hamas started the war, not Israel. But in any case, they did. 
He then appeared on Fox and he said basically uh, the same thing. He said, um, the Hamas is more dangerous than ISIS. Look at the division and the global confusion because of Hamas. They brought us to our knees somehow by their brutality and their barbarism. Brutality is even understating Hamas acts. Hamas is a religious movement and they are raging a raging religious movement against Israel. The mainstream media cannot say this because they are afraid to ignite a religious war. Um, yes, because, you know, then it comes to the very tricky issue. And I have been dealing with this tricky issue <laughs> with this podcast. Um, you know, how do you how do you criticize these radical Islamists and not criticize the whole Muslim population? And that is by, you know, trying to make it clear that these are radical Islamists who are interpreting the Quran in a radical way. They're picking out parts of the Quran that um, that serve them and make people, um, you know, want to join them and fight against Israel and America and the West. Okay, so he continues, he says, quote, and what I say, it already is. They want to annihilate the Jewish people because because they are Jewish people, because they are a Jewish state. We need to expose them for what they are. They are not a national movement. When they are a religious movement, they don't believe in political borders and are driven by dark hatred toward a race, towards a nation. In addition to overthrowing Hamas in Gaza, Israel needs to also take out the terror group leadership. Quote, they need to deal with the head of the snake in Doha, Beirut, wherever they are, cut the head of the snake and let the tail die. We can overthrow them. That's more powerful than anything that I can say. If you don't believe the, uh, the son of uh, the founder of Habas, you know, um, I mean, he knows. So I think we, bottom line, we all should believe him. He's been inside, you know, all his life. Uh, some of the time, of course, spying for Israel, but he's been inside Hamas all his life. Now, to get back to these three secrets, um, uh, the second the second secret, and you'll understand why this isn't in the mainstream media, um, the second cause of um, the war in the Hamas attack on Israel and anti-Semitism is Barack Hussein Obama. Now, um, although, although as I was just saying, and um, and the son of the Hamas founder has just said, um, it has always been the plan of the radical Islamists to wage global jihad. But why now? And the why now is that Obama is a closet terrorist sympathizer. He was trained in madrasas as a boy, and he is finally coming out of the closet, unafraid to show his hatred for Israel and the Jews. Now, this is pretty scary, not just for Israel and the Jews, but um, this is pretty scary for America, because what really has been happening is that um, for, for the left in, in America, the radical Democrats, however you want to call them, the um, the followers of Obama, um, the 
those who are trying to destroy America, um, you know, the, the socialists, the communists, um, that part of the radical, the radical Democrats, basically, um, they, uh, Barack has, has been running this country ever since, uh, well, besides his presidency, uh, he has continued to run this country through Biden because Biden has dementia, encroaching dementia that has encroached um, very far. Uh, I always used to warn people about Biden's encroaching dementia when he was running for president. And certainly since then, it has encroached and you do, know, do not have to be a psychiatrist to see that. But but there is still support amongst Democrats for Biden. And that is coming from Obama. Obama is um, encouraging the Democrats, as many Democrats as he can, to get to rally behind him or to rally behind Biden. And why is that? Because as long as you have a president who has dementia, then uh, Obama can rule without you know, having to deal with a pesky president who has his own ideas. So, um, so, okay, so let's see. Um, so now he has feel, felt strengthened. Well, it's interesting. On the one hand, he feels strengthened because there are so many people behind him. And we're talking about the, the people, you know, the, the people who are in the schools. I mean, it, it kind of relates to the third secret, which I'll get to. Um, he, he feels empowered, Obama feels empowered because in these past, you know, ever since George Floyd, especially uh, with the Black Lives Matter protests and, and since then with the um, LGBTQ plus protests and all of that and all of the people rallying behind this, um, this most leftist part of the, of Democrats, not all Democrats are like this, <laughs> like same thing, like not all Muslims um, are terrorists. Not all Democrats are radical Democrats in terms of, of wanting to destroy America and um, bring in socialism and communism. But Obama believes that he has enough support behind him to be able to come out of the closet and talk about and enact some of the things that he really wants to happen in America. And um, so many of the people who worked in the Obama White House he had Biden bring over to the Biden White House. And um, and so it's really still in all many different ways, Obama running this country. And he ran it into the ground, uh, he, part of the way uh, when he was president. And now it is being run further into the ground because of his control over Biden. So anyhow, so now he feels comfortable coming out of the closet <laughs> Not as a gay man, which uh, certainly that has, there's been a lot of talk about that lately, but that, you know, the importance of whether he's gay or straight, who cares at this point, other than the fact that he was hiding that, that was just another one of his lies. But who cares about that when the most important thing is what he's doing um, now in terms of uh, contributing to this war happening now, and what he's doing in terms of contributing to the hatred of Jews and anti-Semitism. Um, so he's coming out of the closet unafraid to show his hatred for Israel and the Jews. And so he has lit this fuse, the Hamas fuse. And, um, you know, the, um, so it's, it's, I call it the Biden Obama White House or the Obama Biden White House. And they have been giving, as I've talked about before, 
millions of billions of dollars to terrorists, including Iran, the largest state uh, sponsor of terrorists, including Hamas. So basically, they have been supporting um, Hamas <laughs> for, for years now and um, allowed them to build up um, weapons and to, to make this attack. Now, um, so why is this attack happening now? I mean, they've been building up, I mean, the reports are they've been building up and planning an attack for two years so far. So why now? Well, I don't think it's a coincidence that Biden would love, is loving the fact that this war broke out now because um, he was getting um, his closer and closer to the fire in terms of the Congressional Investigative Committee that has been uncovering more and more of his connections to, um, to, to taking money, to taking bribes from other countries like Ukraine and China, and therefore giving the, doing things to help Ukraine. Well, it's no secret he's helping Ukraine, but but people don't know that part of the reason why he's helping Ukraine is because he, they 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 have something on him, as does China. They have the fact that um, they paid him through his son and through different relatives. It's a Biden crime family, but um, through the, they have been taking money from these countries that are basically uh, so that now we are beholden to. Wonder why we're giving so much money to to. Um, to Ukraine that we don't have because because otherwise they can expose him for taking these bribes or his son taking these bribes and ultimately the money some of the money at least got to him. So this is a wonderful distraction. Now nobody's talking about the the Biden crime family. They're talking about the war and they're talking about anti-Semitism. So this makes Biden not only you know does his dementia allow him to follow whatever the puppeteer Obama uh, says how he pulls his strings, but um, he's also more than happy to collude with Obama in terms of um, allowing Hamas or encouraging Hamas at this time to invade Israel, to attack Israel. And, um, you know, this is the perfect time for him to be the uh, distraction, which of course it is. Now, what's the third secret th Secret in terms of what the mainstream media is not talking about uh, for all three of these? The third secret is the left leftist victims, victims in single quotes. People have been shocked at the number of protesters who suddenly appeared seemingly out of nowhere to show their support for Hamas terrorists uh, and the support for the attack on Jews on, on Israel and Jews, and um, and to promote anti-Semitism. So who are these people, these protesters coming out of the woodwork in droves all of a sudden? They are familiar faces from Black Lives Matter and from LGBTQ plus protests and a, a, a variety of others, smaller groups, anybody who likes to claim victim status. So why is this? Because they have been told and they have been taught, whether it's from in their mosques or in their colleges or in their high schools, for that matter, and also now in their elementary schools, they have been taught by all these people that um, the Palestinians um, are victims 
and therefore these people identify with the uh, with victimhood you know we have to help the palestinians because they're victims too um i'm going to tell you a little more about each of these secrets um actually i've told you about the son of the hamas founder in the next segment i'm going to be telling you more about um obama and biden and their why their hands are dirty thank you for listening to the terrorist therapist show stay tuned for the next segment where i'm going to be talking about the second part of the secret the second secret behind um behind the war in israel and uh, anti-semitism so stay tuned Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show. Today we're talking about three secrets behind Hamas war and anti-Semitism. And in the first segment, I have explained those to you, which they are basically age-old intentions of radical Islamists to create global jihad, not just in Israel and not just against the Jews. The second one was Barack Hussein Obama, and his impact since he pulls the strings of President Biden. And then the third secret had to do with leftist victims, victims in single quotes. So now we're gonna go in more detail to the second secret, Obama. Now, Obama claims that all of us are complicit to some degree in the occupation. First of all, there's no occupation. Second of all, we're not all complicit. It's just Tomas and other terrorists. Um, as I was saying before, uh, he is a, Obama is a closet terrorist sympathizer. He's been, been trained in madrasas since he was a boy. He's finally coming out of this closet, unafraid to show his hatred for Israel and the Jews. And he is influencing Biden. Okay, so let's look at Obama first. Um, First of all, there's no occupation. There hasn't been a single Israeli in Gaza since 2005. And all the territory of Gaza and Judea and Samaria, that is the West Bank, belong by right to Israel. No other state has any claim upon it. Now, Obama was on a podcast um, recently, and his the host of the podcast was one of his former staffers. And that is what he did actually after he was no longer president. He kept his former staffers in all different positions. Like they're all over, they're crawling all over the White House. So they are surrounding Biden and uh, reporting back to Obama and so on. So anyhow, now he was went on this podcast called Pod Save America. And you know he felt comfortable um, talking to his one of his former staffers. And that is when he said, all of us are complicit to some degree in the violence in Gaza. He was trying to make a moral equivalence between Hamas murdering Israelis and the Israeli so-called occupation of Gaza, which of course makes no sense because not only because um, Gaza has, hasn't been occupied by Israel since 2005, but um, because you know the brutal killing of 1,400 Israelis and over 200 hostages um, do not is not the equivalent of Israel trying to protect itself by um, attacking Gaza. Israel isn't trying to attack 
the Palestinian people, the, the normal, the regular citizens of Gaza, uh, the ones that there are, um, I perfect, in a perfect world, they would only attack Hamas. But Hamas um, uses the people in Gaza as human shields. And um, they don't, um, they make it very hard for Israel to not hit someone who is not a, a member of Hamas. Also, Hamas buries its weapons in tunnels and under the hospital and, um, you know, in, in homes, in, in schools, in places that Israel would like to not hit, but they know where the weapons are. Um, so this is what Obama said on this podcast, quote, if there's any chance of us being able to act constructively to do something, it will require an admission of complexity. I think he really meant complicity, but anyhow, also complexity, complexity, I guess, and maintaining what may seem contradictory ideas. Now, he said he kind of in, in this next uh, part of what he says, he gives one for Hamas or, or one for Israel and one for Hamas and one for Israel and one for Hamas back and forth. And, um, you know, he's trying to show that uh, like that he's being even handed when we know that he really in his presidency, he made America the most vulnerable to terrorists than any other president before and since. Anyhow, so he says, what Hamas did was horrific, and there's no justification for it. But what's also true is that the occupation and what's happening to Palestinians is unbearable. And what is also true is that there is a history of the Jewish people that may be dismissed unless your grandparents or your great-grandparents or your uncle or your aunt tell you stories about the madness of anti-Semitism. Now he's talking about the Holocaust there. So, you know, it was one for one for the Jews, one for Israel, what Hamas did was horrific, then one for Hamas by saying what the what Israel did to the Palestinians is unbearable. Now he says um, he's trying to be favorable to Jews, saying that, you know, reminding us of the Holocaust. And now he ends with, um, and what is true is that there are people right now who are dying, who have nothing to do with what Hamas did. So he's talking about the people in Gaza. Um, then he talks about how there's a problem with social media, particularly TikTok activism. And I, I do agree with that. Uh, TikTok should be banned. But anyhow, it's very dangerous. Um, then he says, he's asking himself, what could I have done during my presidency to move this forward? You know, the peace in the Middle East. As hard as I tried, and I've got the scars to prove it. But there's a part of me that is still saying, well, was there something else I could have done? Yeah, Obama, there certainly was. Um, okay, now. Um, let's see. Um, yes, now during his presidency, this is important. During his presidency, he had a very strained relationship with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. And in particular, this had to do with their clashing over the U.S.-Iran nuclear deal. Now, Netanyahu came to Congress. I don't know if you remember that, but he was very passionate. He was trying to warn, not just, it wasn't just for Israel that he was saying this. He was saying this for America, too, 
the giving um, this kind of deal, giving billions of dollars, which they have done, including six billion right before Hamas at, attacked Israel. Um, and is that a coincidence? I don't think so. Um, so Netanyahu was trying to say that if you give Iran, which is the biggest state sponsor of terrorism in the world, if you give Iran money, and if you don't have a deal where it is rock solid that they can't make more nuclear war, nuclear weapons, um, then this isn't good. And sure enough, it has come back to bite all of us. It, it was not good. They have continued making nuclear weapons. And it's not just Israel that's in danger, it's America as well and other countries in the world. Okay, so he refuses to pick a side, um, you know, Obama. He's talking out of both sides of his mouth. Uh, he calls it um, that the conflict in the Middle East is a moral reckoning for all of us. Not really for all of us. Not all of us went into a country and slaughtered the civilians and raped them and put babies in the oven and so on. Um, now, sometimes during his pregnancy, <laughs> that was a Freudian slip, pregnancy. Yes, actually, <laughs> it was like a pregnancy. That his his um his presidency is what I meant to say. His presidency gave birth to a whole mess of anti-Israel and anti-Semitic um, things that came from it. Um, and so <laughs> let me start that again, although, you know, Freud was right. Okay, during his presidency, Obama would sometimes try to say or make it seem like he was saying that Israel had a right to self-defense at the beginning of conflicts with with um the this Palestinian Islamist group and Hamas and so on. And then but then once Israel started to defend itself, Obama would go back and he would say, oh no, 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 this isn't right what Israel's doing. And of course this is what he's doing now. And this is what Biden is doing. Um okay, let's see. Now first of all, Gaza in, in case um, you may not be familiar with the specifics, but Gaza is a 25 mile long strip of land that is home to 2.3 million people. And it's been ruled politically by Hamas since 2007. That was where they all went wrong because Hamas are terrorists. And um, Hamas somehow got them to, um, you know, manipulated them basically to elect them to be their um their officers, their their chiefs, <laughs> um, and okay. Now we're going to be going into Biden. Um, um, but let me just see. So yes, so Obama had a bad relationship with Netanyahu. Um, Biden. Now Obama seemed to try to start these different discussions, you know, peace discussions, but he never really got very far in the Middle East between Israel and whatever other country was involved. Um, and Biden, as Obama's vice president, he was sometimes a mediator between Obama and Netanyahu, but, um, and he did support Israel in the war to some degree, um, but but again, then up until Israel started to defend itself, which is again, what's happening here. Now, President Trump, as I'm sure you will remember, um, his administration, he was Israel's best friend. And, um, you know, which is why 
which is why it's shocking when um, Jewish people don't, uh, didn't, or we don't know if they did really in the last election. We don't know what happened in the last election, but anyhow, um, when, when more Jewish people didn't um, come out stronger, let's put it that way, for Trump, because, you know, Trump moved the, um, the embassy to Jerusalem and he did a lot of things. He, he created the Abraham Accords, which was uh, the biggest step towards peace in the Middle East than anyone had ever made. Um, and in fact, if Trump were president today, we would not be having this war. Okay, so Biden, let's look at him, um, Obama's puppet. He is warning Israel that they have limited time before America pulls its support. The clock is ticking, basically. Um, you know, in, in public, he is pressuring Israel for to pause in the fighting. Now, Israel can't pause in the fighting because that would give time for its enemies to get more weapons together and to be ready for a, uh, a, a, a uh, refreshed start. And so it pauses, I mean, Israel has been making some pauses to, well, they, the main pause was at the beginning when they um, sent um, pamphlets, you know, put flat pamphlets all over Gaza, um, to, warning the people in Gaza to get out, you know, giving them a chance to get out. But Hamas was trying to keep them in Gaza because then that way they can say, oh, look at all the people that Israel is killing. And that would be good for Hamas on a public relations scale. So now, um, uh, top Biden administration officials have been increasingly warning Israel that it's going to be more and more challenging to pursue Jerusalem's goal of toppling Hamas in Gaza because of the international outcry. In other words, Biden wasn't, doesn't want to deal with the international outcry. And so he's saying that there's limited time to do this uh, without, to, with, with um, full U.S. support. In other words, you know, trying to say the clock is ticking. We're supporting you to a degree right now, but you know, the world doesn't like it, so we're not. We don't want to be in bad with the world. Um. So there's a you know some people are saying that it might be just a matter of weeks before the U.S. pulls out its support. Um, one of the people in the Obama-Biden White House said, if this really goes bad, we want to be able to point to our past statements, you know, saying that we gave them a warning that you, you know, better get this, either get this over and done with quickly, or you need we have a pause. See, they're giving two, two different um Two different directions not only out of both sides of their mouth but on the one hand they want israel to pause on the other hand they're saying well <laughs> it, it, time is ticking and we're not going to continue to support you which actually maybe is not um as contradictory as it seems it might quite get the get what they want um israel to be destroyed so biden in particular doesn't like that his poll numbers are going down not they were going down way before uh, uh, Hamas went into Israel. But in any case, now there are some threats from Islamic groups that they're going to not vote for Biden. So that that's what's getting them. Um, and 
well, and, and now also Russia and China are getting in the act, and they, you know, they're seeing that America is kind of in a in, in between a rock and a hard place. That especially we're giving, you know, we're giving all our weapons and and uh, and and troops and so on, not only to Ukraine now, who's crying. They don't they don't like it that Israel is is in this has this mess on its hands. Um, so you know now there's there are these um, calls. They so Russia and China see that America is in a more vulnerable spot, and they want to jump in. Well, this will be the end of this segment, and in the next segment, I'm going to be telling you some crazy kinds of things. Um, I'm a psychiatrist. I love crazy kinds of things. Um, crazy, sad, crazy, uh, crazy, outrageous. Um, things that have been happening worldwide in terms of protesters from around the world to with with um, thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people, really, um, to even one person. And um, that will be clear by the end of the, by the end of the next segment. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking today about three secrets behind Hamas war and anti-Semitism. So now we're going to be talking um, in this segment about the protests that have been going on worldwide, pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian, anti-Semitism. So one um, protest that went on this past weekend was when thousands of pro of these of these protesters marched upon um, Washington D.C., the White House. Actually, I mean they've marched all over the world. You've probably seen pictures in London and all over. Um, but but one of the um, places in particular was the White House. You know, one of the more unique places was the White House. I mean, sure, there have been protests in Washington, D.C., but these were basically attacking the gates of the White House. So, and they were chanting, Allahu Akbar, God is greatest, our God is greatest, is what that means, not just God is great, and F Joe Biden. Now, they're asking for a ceasefire. That's what they want. Now, there are, have been unofficial reports that there were more than 100,000 people who showed up um, to the protest in D.C. So they marched down the roads of Washington, D.C., and then many of them stopped outside the White House to yell for Biden to call for a ceasefire. But where was Biden? Biden was where he usually is, at home in Delaware, at his beach vacation spot, probably even eating ice cream, an ice cream cone at the time. Um, these protesters were really pretty uh, agitated and they smeared um, uh, red paint on the gates of the White House. They put their hands in the red paint and so it was like um, palm prints all over the gates. It was, it was rather, you know, it looked like blood, of course. And then one demonstrator also scaled the security fence around the White House to wave a Palestinian flag. I mean, if Biden would have been there when all this was happening, he would have been peeing in his pants. <laughs> yes, I said peeing in his pants, and <laughs> probably more. 
Um, okay, so the DC police were circling the White House via helicopter, taking all this in, you know, trying to see when they should uh, do more, um, which they didn't. Um, so now there was a, po a, a person, a reporter there from the New York Post, and they said that the protest was unlike any other he had ever witnessed. He said, quote, this one was distinguished by the defacing of the gate and pushing on it. Chants of Allahu Akbar and thousands of Muslims, leftists, and others chanting against Biden. It was remarkable that it ended peacefully. Many families were in the crowd. It could have been bad. And then he continued, he says, when gates were swaying tonight, one protester said to me, it's going to be all over if they were to open. Can you imagine? This would be uh, J January 6th on steroids, but this time with not a good reason. Um, in the moment, okay, so, um, okay, let's see, what else? Um, they shattered the windows of a nearby McDonald's uh, that was already peppered in pro-Palestinian stickers and spray paint. And I'll tell you more about McDonald's in a minute. Um, the reason why they are angry at McDonald's is because McDonald's supports Israel. Um, let's see. Now, they and they've been calling for a boycott of Starbucks and McDonald's. Um, and they they said, we quote, we will not let our names written on Starbucks cups while we will not get our names written on Starbucks cups while Palestinian children are writing their names on their arms so that their bodies may be identified after an airstrike. A little dramatic, but um, but the thing that's kind of um, doesn't make total sense is that really there was um, the union of Starbucks. I mean, presumably the, the owners of Starbucks um, are sympathetic to Israel, but the union, the Starbucks union, the barristers, um, they actually came out pro-Palestinian and pro-Hamas. Um, and I even tweeted about boy boycott Starbucks. I didn't know at the time that the owners were pro-Israel. Let me just say, you know, I, I don't remember if I mentioned this at the beginning, but clearly I'm Jewish. Uh, I have been to Israel. I have had um, a special family event there, like a religious event there. I feel I feel very connected to Israel. In fact, um, I am um, going to be um, either going to Israel if I can, uh, if, if they stop um, throwing rockets up in the air when they're Hamas rockets, when there are also uh, El Al planes flying up there. I just uh, just read about that this morning. Um, but in the meantime, I will be helping children and families with my book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. And I will be um, doing that through um, phone and Zoom, helping Israeli families. So yes, that, you know, I'm certainly transparent about that, uh, that that's where my heart lies. Now, oh, this, I love this story. I mean, it's gross, but I love this story. Um, it, a shocking video shows pro-Palestinian protester releasing spray-painted mice in McDonald's. This is a true story, and it took place in the UK, but um, I would not be surprised if somebody copies it here in America. Um, 
a pro-Palestinian activist posted a shocking video of himself releasing hordes of spray-painted mice into a McDonald's in the UK as he shouted, F Israel, in front of panicked customers. Now he called his video clip, enjoy your rat burgers. And this man is wearing the Palestinian flag on his head and he opens the trunk of his car and he uh, takes out a box filled with mice, painted red, green, and white colors to go with the pro-Palestinian sympathies. And he dumps it on the floor of McDonald's in Birmingham in the UK. Free effing Palestine, uh, boycott Israel, F Israel. That's what he's yelling as he's letting these mice crawl all over the customers and the floor and everything else in McDonald's. It's really rather gross. <laughs> Um, then, of course, an animal rights activist didn't like this for her own reason. Um, the poor, she says, using poor mice and rats and setting them free in a McDonald's is not the way to make a political point. I think the rats must have been pretty happy, though. They probably did get something to eat. Um, we managed to get into the food. I mean, I'm not sure that customers fed them. Um, okay, so the 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 um, call of this whole these boycotts, these, um, not really boy, well, some boycotts, but also the protests have gone around the world. And, um, and it really was scary in London because the people going through the streets in, in mid London, um, I mean, they, they look like rats, to be honest. There are so many of them and um, it, it's, it's, it's shocking. And it's scary because, you know, if these people, it's like they have control um, compared to the lack of police. Okay, let's see. Now there's Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, who is also talking out of two sides of his mouth. Um, he, like Biden and Obama, he, he says different things. Um, he has said a ceasefire, quote, a ceasefire now would simply leave Hamas in place, able to regroup and repeat what it did on October 7th. And that is exactly right. But then it seems like maybe he realized that that wasn't what Obama and Biden were saying. So he took it back in some of his speeches, you know, again, out of both sides of his mouth. Because people are, you know, they may have, um, they do have, a, a their heart is either um, with the terrorists or with the Palestinians or with Israel. Um, but but in addition to that, they're thinking of their political standings. You know, Biden wants to get elected again. Um, the Secretary of State wants to either continue to be Secretary of State or something, you know, go further in his political career. So they may not be saying what their what their heart is telling them. Um, oh, yes. Then, of course, there are things happening in the protests that are kind of interesting because it's like, you know, there are so many LGBTQ plus people protesting. And um, somebody in some of the protests, I mean, I think for the most part, the um, Black Lives Matter and Muslims and um, and just, you know, the various protesters have not been tapping them on the shoulder, tapping the LGBTQ plus 
uh, people on the shoulder, protesters on the shoulder and saying, you know, if you were in a Middle Eastern country right now, they'd kill you on sight. It is so, I mean, that just shows you the, the ignorance of these people that they don't, they're, they're supporting Hamas when in fact, um, and, and pro-Palestinian, when in fact, if they were in any of these countries, they wouldn't last a day. Um, Muslims don't believe that people should be um, LGBTQ+, especially radical Islamist, Islam, Muslims, radical Islamists. Um, so in, in at least one, well, in one protest that was written about in any case, um, they, it tells the story about how one of the women in the group um, did tap a, an LGBTQ plus person on the shoulder and um, told him, you know, the reality um, about, about how, uh, like they said, she said, it was a woman, she said a, a far left activist is, well, no, actually, well, this one is about a man, but anyhow, a, a far left activist is shocked when they find out that the young Muslim woman he marched with at the anti-Israel protest in London doesn't share his views on LGBTQ plus issues. They think they're all pals. They, that's, they just don't know the history and they don't know the culture and they don't know the religion. Okay, now let's look at who's funding the pro-Hamas rallies. Now this is actually a, a more convoluted or complex uh, story than I'm gonna be able to have time to, to tell you about. But um, I mean, there's George Soros, there's, um, there are people, there's the Hama, there's the Obama people, there's the people who want to destroy America. And this is another yet, yet another division in America. I mean, it wasn't enough black and white and um, rich and poor and all, all of the, and political divisions, Democrat and Republican, that wasn't enough. They have, you know, they're, they're happy that there are even more divisions because that is destroying America even faster. So anyhow, but the, I can't, so I can't go into all of the people, you know, this is, isn't an exhaustive list, but what I am going to tell you about is how it's, who's funding the pro-Hamas rallies in New York. Um, and really, it, some of this is really in America, but I'm talking about a couple of um, groups in New York City. So, um, so it's taxpayers who are funding these pro-Hamas rallies. Now, in the last 15 years, uh, Islamic political interests have dug deep into New York City politics. And that means that um, with the political power is connected to money or vice versa. And so government contracts are going to uh, what's called community groups, so-called community groups, but really, this is um, these are the, these groups are having are more connected to the um, Muslim radical Islamist uh, groups in New York City. So, which fund Hamas? So it adds up to funding these pro-Hamas rallies. So, for example, um, the New York City taxpayers have paid about $9 million since 2010 that has gone to these groups 
that are helping to spearhead anti-Israel protests and where, you know, where they're making, um, calling for uh, the death of Israel and so on. Now, the biggest winner in terms of getting the money is a group called the Arab American Association of New York. This is a Brooklyn-based group that helped plan a hate-filled Flood Brooklyn for Palestine protest. This was in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Now, in this rally, protesters called for the, for the eradication of Israel, and they held a sign of the Israeli flag in a trash basket that read, please keep the world clean. That was one of the grossest or most outrageous or most insulting uh, signs. And this group, Arab American Association of New York, has received 6.8 million. They've received the biggest of the group. Now, this group was once head, led, headed by uh, Linda Sarsour. Now, she may sound um, familiar to you. She was the former executive director of this group, first of all. She's a Muslim of Palestinian descent. She was the co-chair of the Women's March. Do you remember this? Um, the Women's March in 2017 and, and beyond. And uh, she was um, dumped by the Women's March uh, afterwards because she was too anti-Semitic. And also she is a woman who helps to fund the Black Lives Matter protests. Okay, the second group, the, the group that got the second biggest amount of money is called the Muslim American Society of New York. That is a Southern Brooklyn-based group and that also that co-sponsored sponsored the Bay Ridge rally. And they got more than 260,000 from New York City. So taxpayers are literally funding the Muslim Brotherhood. And as you may know, the Muslim Brotherhood um, gave rise or is connected to Hamas. Um, now, the Muslim Brotherhood wants to see America governed by Sharia law, um, Sharia or Islam law. And that is, you know, just like what I was talking about at the beginning about how um, terrorists want to see global jihad. Well, they also want to see global Sharia law. Now, Sharia law um, is, you know, that's the law where you're not supposed to drink, you're not supposed to have fun, you're not supposed to be gay, <laughs> a whole bunch of different things. Um, and this is what they promote. So they require their members, um, the, the, uh, they require their members to read a book called To Be a Muslim. And in that book, it talks about how, quote, all until the nations of the world have functionally Islamic governments, every individual who is careless or lazy in working for Islam is sinful. So it's they're trying to tell their members, you have to do something, you know, go out there and be an activist, otherwise you're lazy. Um, so Hamas is an arm of the Muslim Brotherhood. And so based, bottom line, tax pay, our taxpayer money is being directed to fund pro-Hamas rallies. Now let me tell you a different aspect of this. Remember I was saying at the beginning of this segment how um, you know, there are all these rallies all over the world and that's talking about hundreds of thousands of people. But we also feel this on, um, on a personal level on, in other words, 
on on one man, any one man being killed by terrorists or by these pro-terrorist protesters is one man too much. Now, in uh, a suburb out of Los Angeles, just the other day, there was a protest and there was a 69-year-old man named Paul Kessler, and he lived in a suburb of Los Angeles with his wife, lived near um, one of the protests, and he went to the protest being pro-Israel. He didn't do anything violent or crazy. Um, he he was just uh, he was just there carrying an Israeli flag, I believe. And um, and today, November seventh, which is the one month anniversary of the October seventh massacre, when Hamas invaded Israel and attacked it so uh, brutally. Um, there are memorials all over Israel today for it, for the one-month anniversary. Now, also today, there's a memorial, a burial, for this man, Paul Kessler. Why? He is has felt the hate of Hamas. He has felt the hate of terrorists. Because when he was standing in this, in this protest, minding his own, well, <laughs> standing up for peace in Israel, basically, um, he got hit over the head by a man, a, an, a pro-Palestinian man. He was on the other side, um, and he was rather an agitated man, and he hit Paul Kessler over the head with his megaphone, and that knocked Paul Kessler to the ground, and he was taken to the hospital, and he died the next day. So um, finally, they arrested a 50-year-old man who they're identifying, well, no, they they um, they found, they discovered, you know, their investigation discovered a man um, who is 50 years old. They're not giving out his name or anything to identify him. Um, but he was identified as, as a suspect, but he hasn't been arrested yet, which is pretty, pretty outrageous. Um, now, he when he hit him over the head with his megaphone, uh, he fell, Paul Kessler fell, and he hit his head on the hard ground. This was in the middle of the street. And um, he died, you know, in, in fact, they found when they did the autopsy that he died from blunt force trauma. So whether it was more from the megaphone or more from what the megaphone caused his falling and hitting his head, it kind of doesn't matter. He, he died from the same, altogether it was blunt force, force trauma. So they are having a um, funeral for him today. And um, uh, the significance of this is that whether one person dies through terrorism or thousands die, terrorism must end. It is just as sad for this one man as it is, well, well, in a sense, because, you know, he didn't ask to be killed. Um, and I mean, it's hard to, and neither did the Israelis when the uh, Hamas terrorists attacked. So in that way, there's a similarity, but, um, and none of it is okay. Now, I do want to say that I am, I mentioned my book, um, the first and only book about terrorism for children. It's been awarded many five different awards internationally, as well as in America. 
and it is um, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, oh my, how to protect your child in a time of terror. And if anyone who buys it from my website, which is terroristtherapist.com, I give the proceeds to Israel. Well, thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol Lieberman, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.